Well, hey, Mountain, how we doing? Hey, it's good to be together, whichever campus you're participating from. If you're online, a big welcome to you. Uh, you may have noticed it's beginning to look a little bit like Christmas around here. Uh, it feels too early to me. I don't know if it does. Do you, anybody like your Christmas trees up already in your house? Okay, a couple of us. All right. Hey, uh, the Lord forgives you. Okay. Uh, we did it too. All right. We made the mistake also and put up some Christmas trees. I know like sometimes people happen to like look beyond what's coming up this week and they go straight to Christmas. But don't miss what's coming this week. Do you know what's coming? Thursday? Anybody? What's happening? Thanksgiving. Right? Thanksgiving is, oh, I love Thanksgiving. It is such an awesome opportunity. I think it's an important opportunity that we're afforded each year. Maybe just to, to pause take a break from the chaos of everyday life, be with some friends, maybe some family, enjoy a meal, and enter into that posture that sometimes we have trouble getting into, and that's a posture of thankfulness, of gratitude. It's an important posture for us, and today, uh, here in just a little bit, we're actually going to hear from some friends. They're going to talk to us about what it looks like to be thankful, because oftentimes I'll ask people, I'll say, so, so what are you thankful for right now? And I don't know if you know people that are this way. I tend to be this way. Typically, I live in one of two extremes, okay? I'll respond with all of the really good stuff happening in my life that I'm so thankful for. Like, you won't believe what's happening. It's so good. Or I'll carry the posture and the attitude of like, well... I don't know, what do I have to be thankful for right now? Maybe you know people that way. Maybe you yourself. You can tend to live in those two extremes. I know that I do. But when we examine Scripture, what the Lord tells us through the Bible is that no matter what you're feeling, no matter what your emotions are telling, no matter what the circumstances are that you find yourself in in that moment, we can have gratitude. Even in joy, even in sadness, we can have gratitude to God because we worship God who loves us unconditionally, who doesn't leave us abandoned or alone, but sustains us and brings blessing into every single circumstance and every single season of your life, even if maybe you don't see it yet. And we as a church over the past several weeks, we've been in a season, I think, of thankfulness, okay? We've been on this unstoppable good journey together. If you're new around here, you'll catch up, I promise, okay? We've been on this unstoppable good journey together, looking forward to the next two years of what God is going to do through his church as he ushers us into our 200th birthday as a church. It's good stuff that the Lord has led us to that we're going to do in the next two years. And a part of that, we've been looking back at the last 198 years just to express gratitude and thanksgiving to all that God has done through this place. And if you examine the last 198 years, there have been really good seasons, there have been really tough seasons. But the Lord has blessed this place, and so we express gratitude for the thousands of people who have found the Lord, who have accepted Jesus into their life and moved from death to life through baptism as a part of this place. We, we celebrate God for the thousands of kids who have been raised through the ministry of this church over 198 years. We praise God for the hundreds and thousands of marriages that have been mended and saved. For those who were, who were deep in the hole of addiction that God pulled out through the ministry of this church. The list can go on and on and on of ways that we can be grateful and thankful for how God has used this place. It's really awesome to be a part of a church like that. I know I'm proud of it. I'm glad for it. I'm grateful for it. And so we find ourselves saying, hey, this is an all-in moment for us so we can look forward to the next two years. And with expectant gratitude, many of us, we've made commitments. Personal commitments, financial commitments to say, God, what do you want to do through us? over these next couple of years so that we can see the mission move forward, so that we can do 
more good. It's an exciting time to be a part of the Mountain family. I hope you can feel that. I hope you can sense it. And here in just a few weeks, we're going to have the opportunity to celebrate. We are having a celebration Sunday. We're saying, hey, here's what God's doing through this church over the next couple of years. And so I want to invite you. If you've not made your commitment yet, don't miss the opportunity, okay? We've got two weeks left in the window before our big celebration Sunday that we'll have together. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, actually just this week, and he was talking about all the stuff that's in the Unstoppable Good booklet that God's going to do through this church. He's like, yeah, I can't wait, but I haven't made my commitment yet. Is it too late? He's like, I was like, what, bro, where you been, man? We had Commitment Sunday. We had last Sunday. Where you been? He's like, well, Commitment Sunday, I was out of town. Last Sunday, I was serving. I just missed it. Is it too late? Well, it's not. We have two weeks left in the window, okay? And on that Celebration Sunday, we're going to talk about all that God is doing, and I don't want you to be on the sidelines of that, so don't miss the opportunity. Here's what I'm going to invite you to do, okay? Pull out your phone, everybody at all of our campuses online. Pull out your phone, and I'm going to put a number on the screen here right behind me that you're going to see pop up. And it's going to have this number and the word card. And what you're going to do is text the word card to 833-269-9787. And that can be how you can interact in these last few hours before Celebration Sunday uh, with the commitment card, all right? I'd invite you. We're going to leave that number up here for just a couple of moments. If you haven't done it yet, make this the chance where you step out in faith and say, God, what do you want to do through me in this season? As we reflect on all that God has done, we express gratitude for it, and we look forward to what God will do. And with expectant gratitude, we say, God, use us. Use us in a powerful way. So if you've not done that yet, use that text link, all right? And get your card in so that you can be fully in the game come celebration Sunday. We have a lot to be thankful for. And gratitude, well, it naturally leads us to a response. Don't miss this moment to respond. And today, what I want to do is I... I want to share, as we approach the Thanksgiving holiday, some stories of the good work that God is doing in the lives of mountain people. Before we get there, though, I want to slow down and look at some scripture, okay? Uh, maybe it's, it's worth saying that this is why the mission matters. Like, this is why our commitment matters. It's because God is changing lives. God is doing good work in and through this place. And today, we're going to hear stories and testimonies from mountain people who have lived lives that have been transformed because of the ministry of what God is doing through his church, transforming them and helping their trust to grow and to steadily increase as they depend on God. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, okay, we, we read, uh, Paul is writing to this church in Thessalonica. If you read in Acts chapter 17, this is when Paul and Silas started this church. They enter town, they, they grab a whole bunch of people, they start telling them about Jesus, and people just start responding like crazy. And this little church quickly grows and grows and grows until who starts to notice? Well, the, the, the people in charge of everything else. And they're starting to see that this little church that's growing and growing and growing is starting to make a ripple effect in the community. And the worship that people have is changing from worshiping the earthly rulers like Caesar, and it's moving towards Jesus. And they say, you know what? Well, we got, we got to put a stop to that. Like, that's not going to fly. We need to keep people on our side. What's happened is this church is growing and it's developing and people are turning towards Jesus. A radical transformation is happening in the community to where everybody notices it. Because when Jesus' followers enter the picture, the place should look different. And worship starts to turn towards Jesus. So opposition comes. We use the word persecution begins against this church. And Paul, he, he flees town. He's writing to this church later. And he sees uh, this example of a church. It's going through some pretty hard times. 
Like the circumstances would not be what I would consider ideal because I don't like people persecuting me for my faith. I don't know if you do. Maybe that sounds fun to you. Have at it. It's not fun for me. And this church has all of the pressure against them. And so Paul, he sees this church that he loves, that he starts, and and, and this church is flourishing even in the midst of great persecution. And those who are part of the church, well, they're known for their good spirit, even with so much piling up against them. And so Paul writes this letter to give thanks and to celebrate the church's faithfulness, friendship, this deep love that he has from this adoration that he has from this bond. Like he's proud of this church and he wants them to know it. And Paul knows firsthand the hardship and the persecution. He's been there. He's done that. He's experienced it himself. And so now he's writing this letter to encourage them, to implore them towards continued faithfulness in the Lord and to keep trusting in him. And so he, he writes this letter. And there's this theme in this letter of like, keep going. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says this, and maybe this can be the encouragement for us today as we enter this week of Thanksgiving. He says this. He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's maybe... Just do a quick word study here before we hear from our friends, okay? Rejoice always. Joy. According to a lot of Paul's writings, like joy is a common denominator of how you can tell who is walking with Jesus because they carry a joy with them that just sort of resounds out of their body. They can't help but be joyful all the time. Joy is what Christians are marked by. Our trust in God far outweighs whatever is happening around us. We rejoice when? Always. Pray continually. Well, that's, that's the answer to how we can have joy. Right? We find joy because of a closeness, a connectedness with the Spirit. Our lives are a life of fellowship with God, a continued awareness of his presence, walking in step with him. We don't just pray at church or when we're eating dinner or breakfast or lunch or whatever it might be or just when bad times come. No, every step, every breath, we pray continuously, always. And we look at our lives as people who walk with Jesus as each breath that I take is a moment to offer God a prayer. Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks. Christians are to be marked by thankfulness. To feel thankful is different than to, to, to give thanks, right? Just to be thankful and keep that to yourself. Well, that, that's easy. Sometimes I have trouble with that. I like to be the one who's always looking at the bad stuff in the situation. Or I like to critique it. And sure, there's a place for that. But what Paul says us is to give thanks. That's an action to give thanks to God. And I know at times we can be a bit negative, but there's so something so holy and good about intentionally setting aside time and mental space to give thanks. Like my wife, she did that for a while where she would, she would do the gratitude journal every night before bed, like 10 things that you're thankful for. Can you imagine? That'd be hard to do every day. 10 things that you're grateful for. Every night I'd look at it just to make sure I was on it, okay? Uh, and there was a lot on it, including me most days, all right? That's, that's a good practice to get into because that starts to shift our perspective and our attitude and our minds and our hearts. And then Paul goes on to say, in all circumstances. Like every one of them. You wrap your mind around that a little bit. Yeah, when, th- when things are good, when things are bad. Paul's encouraging this church and their faithfulness despite what is happening to them. They have joy, they have thankfulness, and their friends, well, 
they're, they're dying. And they are living with fear of what may happen to them. Yet their love for Jesus is so radical and countercultural that they still have this joy within them and this gratitude to God that other people are seeing and experiencing and responding to. The church in Thessalonica, where they're growing to look more like Jesus, they were maturing in their faith. And the mark of a mature follower of Jesus carries with him or her a posture of thankfulness. And so uh, I'm going to invite some friends out right now, and we're going to hear their stories. So we thought maybe today as we enter into the Thanksgiving holiday, it would be a good chance for us to hear from some people that have been through some circumstances that you could put on all ends of the spectrum that you, you could imagine for just a moment they could find themselves in a place of complaining and griping to God. But instead, they found themselves staying faithful and thankful and trusting in the Lord. And I want you to hear their stories now. So join me in, in welcoming these fine folks who are willing to come out and share their story with us. So we're going to spend just the next uh, few minutes, like I said, hearing some stories of, of uh, how we can seek and find God's goodness, even in the midst of what might, might feel like a trial or a difficult moment. And uh, I've gotten to hear all of your all stories, and they're all inspiring in so many ways. And so thank you for your willingness, your courage, uh, and uh, your, your, your ability in this moment just to share this with our church family. So I'm sure we'll all be blessed by it in some way. David and Sakina, I'm going to ask you all, just kind of lead us out here and, and tell us your story. Show us uh, who God is and what he's doing in your life right now. Yeah, I'm Sakina. I'm from the Aberdeen campus, and um, I was healthy, and I was working out. I was eating right, doing all the right things, and one night I was getting ready for bed, and I felt something small and hard in my breast. Um, I didn't know what it was. I didn't think it was cancer. I was 39 years old. Uh, no one in my family ever had cancer, so it couldn't possibly be that. Um, but a few months later, um, my doctors um, tested me, and I was uh, diagnosed with stage three triple negative breast cancer. It's one of the rarest and most aggressive forms of breast cancer, and the tumor in a matter of months was growing and growing fast. Um, it was not only in my breast, but it had spread to my lymph nodes, and my doctors were concerned about it spreading to other parts of my body. So 12 days after um, I was diagnosed, I had my very first chemotherapy treatment. Uh, needless to say, uh, that, was, that was a very, very difficult time. I was actually at work when I received the call. She called me and let me know. I just went into my office and I literally broke down like a child. It seemed like time stopped. Uh, my boss said a couple things to me, but it sounded like Charlie Brown, like womp, 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 womp. I, it was just, it was just surreal. Uh, I was on my way home and I knew I had to get myself together. I had to, I felt like I needed to come in the house and present strength in, for my wife because that was, that was a difficult situation. So I, I felt like I needed to be strong when I walked in the house. Uh, so I called my mom and my dad on the way home. Uh, my mother answered the phone and she prayed with me and she reminded me who I was and who God is and she gave me a scripture, it was Isaiah 41 and 10. Uh, and it basically just says, do not be afraid for I am with you. I am your God and I will help you, I will strengthen you. So I took that and I went home full of strength, I thought, and was ready to come in the house and, and, and attack. But when I got inside, we just cried 
like babies and ask the God all kind of questions of why and this and that, you know. But my spirit man kicked in and I started praying very aggressively and letting the devil know he has absolutely no power, no dominion in this environment. So we did that consistently and uh, th this is where we are right now, this is where we are. Yeah, and um, in the first few days after I was diagnosed, um, I found myself saying, thank you, God. Uh, not for the cancer itself, but because God was answering prayers that I had been praying for years. Um, I had been coming to Mountain for about three and a half years alone. I wanted my husband to come with me. I wanted his relationship with God to grow. And I was praying this whole time. And through this experience, God has really um, blessed me and answered prayers. Um, uh, David prays over me, reads scriptures over me every night. He attends the Aberdeen campus with me. He's on the worship team. He comes to early Sunday prayer. He does everything. And I'm just so grateful of the growth that I'm seeing in him and his life and what God is doing. But God didn't forget about the cancer. After the very first chemotherapy treatment, the tumor began to shrink. And now what was once a three centimeter lump, the doctors can no longer feel. So we're so proud and happy of what God is doing. And, but despite all the good things, I do find it hard to be thankful um, when my whole body hurts, when I lose my hair, or when I'm gaining weight, when I'm always nauseous or tired. It's hard in those moments to be thankful, but I remember God and I remember his character, that he is good and he is good to me, that God is faithful and has been faithful throughout my life over and over again that he has made me promises that he would never leave me or forsake me. And somehow in these moments of thankfulness, in the midst of this sorrow and pain that I'm going through, I'm able to find joy. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing how it's come together. Uh, you know, one of the most important things that God is doing, he's, he, he's, he's helping us or, or in for, making us trust in him 100%. Uh, no other direction just 100% locked in solely trusting on God and believing that he is going to do everything that he said he's going to do uh, the devil you know it's easy to 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 believe and have faith and do things when everything is good you know but you don't get challenged you don't stretch you don't grow unless you get challenged and put in these, these positions and we accept it you know we 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 know God has a plan and and we are just excited that he chose us you know we choose to view it that we are excited that he chose us to, to show the glory through us and we're just excited for it and we're here and we're just ready for whatever comes. Yeah, thanks guys, that's, that's really just helpful insight for us. And I know one of the things you said there that, that I think is really powerful is you said like, it's not always easy to be thankful. We're not saying just because you walk with Jesus, you're immediately just going to always be thankful no matter what, but you're reminded mm -hmm. of why you can be. Right, of why that gratitude exists and why it can continue to exist. So thank you for putting that on display for us. That's definitely something I'm hearing that I'm going to take back with me, is that it's not always easy. But then you reflect on what God's done. It kind of reignites that gratitude within you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Hey, let's, let's thank them. All right. Quentin, share your story with us. All right. So... Uh a few years ago, I was in a I was in a serious relationship with a, a girl I met uh, at college. Um, you know, we were living together. I was working at Trump City Run, it's a shoe store in Bel Air, and um, you know, life was pretty good. You know, it was just 
you know, chilling and stuff like that. So it was good. Um, but about four years ago, uh, in November 2018, uh, a lady came into to my store and I was helping her with some shoes and uh, she noticed I had some tattoos and she's asked me about some of them and uh, one of them is a, is a Bible verse and so she's asked me like, oh, what does the Bible verse mean? So I explained why it was important to me. Um, and so then she asked me like, oh, like what church do you go to? And, you know, I gave her a response of like, oh, I'm, I'm in between churches, which that's code for young adult slang for uh, I don't go to church. Um, <laughs> and so she was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I go to Mountain, and if you ever are interested in going to Mountain, you know, I'm going to save a seat for you next to me with my family. And I was like, cool. So do you want the shoes or not? Um, you know, I was just like, cool, that's, that's, it is what it is, cool, the whole church thing, you know, cool. Um, I didn't know that that invitation went end up changing my life just two months later when that relationship that I was in and I kind of built my entire identity on uh, just fell apart. And I had to move back in with my mom, and I was kind of lost. I had no identity because that's what I had my, put my identity in. Uh, so I remember that invitation. And so uh, one Sunday I found myself uh, sitting at Mountain listening to, to Ben preach the first time. Uh, which ironically was about relationships and did not help, but <laughs> it was still it's still uh, it's still awesome because after that service, I actually ran to a friend I went to high school with, and she told me about this young adults ministry, and so I was like, oh cool, I got plugged into it, you know, met some people, vibe with them, and uh, had a, had a good time, and I was like hanging out with them pretty regularly. Um, unfortunately, that's not where my story ends because. Uh, even though, like, all that sounds really, really good, I was going to church, I was doing the church thing, I was, you know, participating in this stuff, inwardly I was still a wreck. I was still severely broken and still wrestling with uh, a lot of mental health, um, just struggles, so depression, anxiety, um, purpose, um, meaning for life, and so all that culminated uh, one night when, uh, after a, a, a shift at Trump Run, uh, I was sitting in my car by myself, and I was just angry. I was sad. I was lost. I was, you know, scared. I was alone, uh, and I was just thinking, like, I'm done, you know. Uh, and that's I almost took my life that night, um, which was hard. I was just, you know, so like just lost and broken. And I remember seeing that that empty parking lot, and thinking about ways I've failed and all these things. But then God laid something in my heart at that moment, and He said, Hey, think of your mom. And so, like, you know, she'd open her doors to me, you know, she provided, you know, a, a home for me to, to, to go to and, uh, you know, was helping me out in so many ways with her love and care. And then, then about my grandmother, you know, my grandmother, um, she's an amazing cook. So, you know, I had some, like, amazing home-cooked meals. So that was always really cool, you know. Um, and then I thought about the, the people and friends I've made in the past, uh, the past couple of weeks uh, that went to, the, went to church and did the whole Jesus thing and, they were all filled with joy, and it was really cool. And I was like, oh, you know, like they opened their arms to me and made me feel like I was at home, made me feel like I was part of a family. Um, and little by little, these little moments of things I'd be grateful for started piling up and piling up. And then I felt God kind of lay a, a decision at my feet and say, okay, now you have all these things. Which, which path are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the one that you're, gonna go, that you're thinking about going down, or are you going to choose this one I'm, I'm going to call you down? Uh, and so that was March 26, uh, 2019. And I remember I left that parking lot and uh, just remember chasing Jesus, and I've been doing that ever since. Um, and that thing that God laid in my heart at that moment, uh, I think is what, what Paul says in, in uh, Philippians 4, verse 8, and he says, focus your mind. One of the things is, is to focus your mind on what is praiseworthy. Um, and when I 
opened my, when God lifted my chin up to see what was praiseworthy, and I started focusing on that, God really opened my eyes to see what I could be really grateful for in that moment, how God was at work in, in Trump City Run in November in 2018, how he was in that moment, crafted that, how he put my friend uh, at that service afterwards to connect with, how he put those young adults, how he put my mom in place, put my grandmother in place, all these things that in that moment I can just look at and be thankful for how God was moving in my life that moment, even this moment of just moment of just darkness. Um, and even now I can look back on that and it's a really, really dark time. Uh, it's a dark time that's really hard to relive and it's hard to just think about it again and put myself back in that mindset. But I know that God was moving then and he's still moving now. And, you know, even this week I've been having, uh, I've still struggled with like mental health, but I know I have a, a, a community in Christ rooted here in Mountain Young Adults. Uh, and yeah, it's not, I can, you know, really rely on them and they are going to pull me back to, pull me back to Jesus in, in those moments. So, um, you know, praise God for, for all he's doing in my life and that I can battle through that. Yeah, man, that's, uh, kind of two things stood out to me there. Okay. One, uh, you have a bunch of friends who took up the mantle to, uh, rejoice always, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. And that, that rubbed off on you. Right, and that, that's what you remembered when you were in that moment of tension. Uh, and two, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like you, you get further away from something, you look back on it, you can see how even in the difficulty, God was, was there. That's important. Thank you. Let's thank Quentin for sharing. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. This is my friend Jenna. Jenna, share with us your story. Sure. So um, September 27th of this year, I, um, I got some news that kind of flipped my whole life to the side, I guess you could say. Um, my little sister passed away. She was only 39. She was the youngest out of the four of us. Um, and as her and I were the youngest, uh, we were like two peas in a pod. We bunked together for almost a decade. Um, we, uh, we stuck up for each other, and we got picked on by the older kids. And um, up until now, we called each other. We vented about this tough stuff, and we listened. And that was all gone in an instant. And um, just think about my sister. It was shocking. It was unexpected. We didn't, we didn't know it was going to happen. But she was an alcoholic, and she struggled with alcoholism for about 10 years. Um, most recently, she struggled with sobriety. She was clean, and then she wasn't, and then she was clean, and then she wasn't. Um, it's just a tough life for her. And I remember driving to the funeral home the next day to make arrangements with my family, and I'm talking to God in the car, and I'm angry. And I'm angry at God, and I've known that guy for a long time, but I'm angry because he took my sister from me. And I prayed really, really, really hard for her to break free from those chains to get better. I wanted her to have that God win. If you've ever had that God win, you know what it is. It's that one good blessing that just opens the floodgates and the blessings just keep pouring and pouring and pouring. You just feel God's love all over you. I wanted that for her so bad. And I prayed for that. She didn't get it. And God took her. And I don't know why. And I wasn't ready yet. She deserved a win. She had a tough life. She loved people who didn't love her, who didn't respect her. She lost a lot, and she felt very alone and very unloved. And that's hard to watch, but I really thought that God was going to swoop in and save her. So I was really angry. 
but I know who God is. Psalms 34, 18 says that he is with the brokenhearted. And I knew he was with me at that time. The moment I got the call from my dad that she had passed, I was actually meeting with our student's pastor from Abingdon. So as I hung up the phone and I'm trying to process what is going on, she was sitting by my side. Uh, just prior to that meeting, I was actually at a work function with a bunch of people I didn't know, and I can't imagine getting the news in the middle of a crowded room where nobody knows you or can understand what's going on. He healed relationships, and this was a big one for us. I hadn't spoken with my niece or her mom, who was like a sister to me, um, in almost five years. And the moment it happened, over the next couple of hours, the phone calls were made, and we just clung to each other. It didn't matter why we weren't talking. It was all forgiven in that moment because all that mattered was that we were all hurting by the same thing. Um, before my sister had passed, I had agreed to go to the fall retreat for high school, and I was gonna step in and uh, lead the 12th grade girls. But as the week drew near, I was like, God, how can I do this? My heart is so heavy and I'm in so much pain. How can I be any good for this? God surprises you guys. What I got from that weekend was way more than I felt like I gave to those girls. But what happened when I watched 140 kids worshiping with their arms in the air and their hearts just pouring out to God, sitting with those girls as they struggled with who God is in their lives and asked questions, it was just amazing, and it renewed my faith in God. It renewed my purpose in, in what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Because this world is so broken, and people need to know that love of God. And my sister might not have known it here, but I believe that she knows it now. And this is why we do what we do. So I have like this little bag of blessings I carry around with me. It's just in my head. It's not, it's not something I actually carry, but... It's full of all the things God has done for me and for the people in my life. That bucket's full of babies that were born early and perfectly healthy. It's full of long-awaited jobs that were filled. It's full of cancer that was cured and marriages that were renewed. And I know that bucket will continue to be filled. And when I think back on all the other hard things in my life that I've already been through, I know that God has never put me through the fire without bringing blessing and joy on the other side. And I know he will do it again. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, things sometimes are hard and it seems dark. Sometimes the dark days pile on top of each other. Sometimes I can laugh at a memory we shared and sometimes I just cry for the time we don't have anymore. But I know that in those moments I'm not alone I know God is with me, and I know that he is working for the good. And I can truly say in my heart that it is well with my soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks, Jenna. You know, you just, you just rehearsed. Uh, yeah, we can thank Jenna. You just rehearsed what we read in, in Psalms often, which is, God, why is this happening? I'm angry, uh, but I will run towards you and trust you. And I'll allow you to sustain me. And I think, uh, like, the Lord's providential nature that you were with the student's pastor then, you know, yeah. and that you had something that weekend that you go towards God instead. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes we'll stiff-arm God, 
when, t- when things get hard, when the circumstances start to feel like they're crushing us, we'll stiff arm God. But instead, as we draw to him, mm-hmm. we experience his blessing and we can find gratitude in him even in, in hard times. So yeah. thank you. Thanks. Rebecca, would you share your story with us? Sure. Hi. So uh, my story has to do with um, trusting God and um, taking a major leap of faith. Uh, I worked originally in Bowie, Maryland, and about two years ago, I had bought a home. And even though I was doing the commute, I was, it was, it was, everything was still good. I didn't feel it. Um, but towards the end of last year, I started to feel the drive, and I started to feel the workload from my former job. And that's when I realized that that was God's grace lifting from what I was doing. And um, I started looking for a job closer to home, which is in Aberdeen. And I remember clearly hearing God say, uh, the time is now. And I was a little, I guess you can say, startled by it because I did not yet have a job to fall back back to, but I knew I heard God's voice. And so I became obedient, um, gave my former job a month notice, and I left. Um, now, if I rewind just a little bit, it happened before. God has done this before where he's given me instructions and I left, but it was a month later and I was able to find new employment. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, now this is hard. Um, I just bought a home, but Lord, I trust you. Um, but maybe a month, two months, and I'll be back to work. Well, it, it didn't happen like that. Um, I, when I left, I had people that really thought that I, was, I lost my mind. I was going crazy, including family, because I just bought a home and I just left my job. Um, but I knew I needed to be obedient to God. And so when one month went by, nothing happened. Two months went by, nothing happened. Um, My faith started to rattle just a little bit. And I even kind of questioned, did I really hear from God? Um, And so I, um, I started to somewhat help God out by, while I wait for him, look for something temporarily. And so I went online. Um, looking for jobs, you know, working from home, teleworking until something, until God showed me the next direction. Nothing came through. And even a lot of the jobs that I was looking for, honestly, I should have been hired, but nothing came through. Um, I, at that moment, I heard God say, you're, you're, why are you trying, because I forgot to say this part. He actually said to me when I did leave that this was going to be a rest time arrest period. And so when I was looking for something else, I remember him saying, why are you disturbing your rest? Um, And so I later on, maybe three months later, I got a call from my former boss and they asked me, did I find something yet? And I said, no. And they said, well, what do you think about coming back temporary, working for us, helping us out until something else comes up? And initially at that moment, I thought, well, Maybe, maybe it's God, because I do need to make money to pay bills. And so I almost said yes, but then I thought about it and said, let me get back with you till the end of the week. 
um, the very next day I heard God say, I didn't tell you to do that. You're again, you're disturbing your rest. And so I called back immediately and told them I couldn't do it. Uh, long story short, um, I started to have a, um, a desire to work for the government. And I put, on, I put in applications, after applications, nothing came through. Um, I then received, or I actually said to myself, to God, I said, Lord, it'd be so awesome if you could bless me with something on my birthday. And I actually got an email for an offer letter on my birthday for one of the jobs that I um, applied for. Um, and even prior to that, during my rest period, uh, two different, two friends, two different occasions had blessed me with a substantial um, amount. I didn't ask for anything. And at that moment, I realized that was God saying, I told you I would take care of you. And so I am now working uh, for the government, but I, for me, during that time, I was still giving God praise. There were moments of like a little bit of insecurity, not sure, but I was still praising God and I was still thanking God um, for what he had done. And I, one thing for me when it comes to either things that happen in life, whether it be tragedy, whether it be um, whatever things we're going through, um, I always take it back to God and I say, okay, this hurts, this doesn't feel good, but God, even if you didn't cause it, you allowed it. And if you allow this to happen, then there must be purpose in it or you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have done it because you wouldn't do that to your children. And that's kind of my perspective on life when things come up and things happen. I realize that, okay, we're human, we're gonna feel, but then, God, you allowed this. So there has to be a reason for this happening. And so one scripture that really um, sticks out to me and keeps me going is uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 16. And I love how the message version puts it. And it says, this is why the fulfillment of God's promise depends entirely on trusting God and his way and then simply embracing him and what he does, God's promise arise as pure gift. And so I just want to encourage you, um, you know, if you hear from God, whatever the reason is, to just do it. As crazy as it is, as crazy as you'll look with others, know that God has a purpose and a plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. There's a, there's a, uh, a posture of trust there, right? Like you're, you can be thankful because you have put your trust in him. That's good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. We really appreciate it. All right. Gil, are you ready to round us out here? I'm ready. I'm All ready. Right, let's go, man. I'm Gil Shelsby, and um, I have the privilege of serving as one of your elders. And um, job one of the elders is to pray for the flock. And I never thought that the day would come when the flock would be praying for my family. Um, I'm going to share with you a, a story of a um, young couple whose day, um, one day, their lives changed. And uh, so my daughter, Lauren, who was raised here in Mountain, who was baptized here, her husband is Christian. It's a great name. Um, they um, broke the news that um, Lauren was pregnant. And we, we were just so excited about that news as a family. And... Um, he started to do some testing, and he came back with a test they're a little bit concerned about. And uh, 
they said, we need to bring you in and, and to do a sonogram. And they did a sonogram. And when they did the sonogram, they found that my grandson, his name is Liam, had spina bifida. And um, in fact, he had the, the worst kind of spina bifida. The, what he had was that the skin that is supposed to close around the spine um, was open so that his spine was protruding out. And it was also pulling down his brain. And uh, those children who have that condition, they don't walk, they don't stand, and they have lifelong problems with their brain. Um, Lauren called us after she got the news, and, and she was just devastated. Um, you know, as a, as a father, I think the hardest thing as a father is to, is to see your, your child in pain. And I, I, just, I just remember my wife, Lorianne, and I just, was just weeping that day that, of that news. So the first thing we did was we, um, we just reached out to our mountain family and, and the immediate family. We just said, hey, can you just start praying for us? And the mountain family, they stepped up. They started praying. Um, my dad's church started praying. I mean, there's so many people. I can't list them all. And um, one morning I got a text from Ben. And uh, Ben said, this morning Carla and I um, were reading some scripture. We prayed over it for you and for your family. And it, it comes from Psalm 27. And um, just remember the, the, the end of the psalm. It, it says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. And I, I prayed that on my knees every day. And I prayed it as hard as, I, as hard as I possibly could. I prayed harder than I ever did in my life. Um, so after that news, Lauren and Christian, they went to go see the doctors, and they said, well, what are our options right now? And the doctor says, well, we got three options. First option is that you can, uh, you can terminate the pregnancy. And they said, next. Second option was, well, we just let Liam um, finish, and when he's born, whatever that is, at 35, 36 weeks or 40 weeks, we'll do surgery to try to fix the spine, but usually the damage is done. And I said, well, what's the third option? The third option was a, a new surgery that was being done at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And uh, here's what it involves. Um, a team of doctors and nurses, about 12 of them, go in at 19 weeks and they do surgery on the baby. And in 19 weeks, Liam was about this big. And what they do is they go through the abdomen, they go into the uterus, and they take the amniotic fluid out, and they reach in, and they grab that little guy, and they bring him out partially, and then the neurosurgeon sews over the spine. Now, they, they anesthetize him, so there has to be a cardiologist there to resuscitate him if necessary, but they sew over the spine, they put him back in gently. They put that fluid back in around him. And they close the uterus and they sew it up to the bottom of the abdomen. And mom has to live within five minutes of the hospital because if those sutures come loose, you got a matter of minutes to save mom and the baby. And so Lauren and Christian, they took option number three. And they had that surgery done in Philadelphia we got 
literally a couple of days notice. Um, they needed somebody to be with her because she had to be in bed for three months. We all moved to Philadelphia. And uh, I saw God in that entire journey, just her qualifying for it and all the things that just fell into place. On the morning of the surgery, um, it was just the immediate family and my son, Gil, who's one of the new pastors here, um, he prayed just before she went back for the surgery. And, and I, I saw my, my son, a, a brother, praying over his sister with all of his heart and, and his soul. And I felt the presence of God in that room. And, and the words that he spoke, I, I, I will just never forget. So he went back and he had the surgery and um, he actually stayed right there cooking up until week 36, which is um, the best that they can do. They were so happy with that result. So I, I told the family, I said, um, um, when, not if, but when Liam walks, um, we're going to throw a party. And um, he walked. And uh, we threw a party. <laughs> we really threw a party. And when I look back on that, um, I know that there's only one reason why that outcome is so. And um, I have a picture I want to share with you. Um, because, uh, and the picture is, it's a picture of Liam's back. And it was taken, Lauren is holding him. And when I look at that picture of his back, I see a cross. Hmm. And it was God that worked that miracle. Um, Liam, is, he's, he's on such a great journey now. So he, he's, he's such an inspiration to people who see him and meet him. And he's, he's three years old now. So, But I'll share with you something real quick. Last Christmas Eve, we went to, to a restaurant to um, have Christmas Eve dinner. And he had Christmas lights on his walker. And so he opened the door in this restaurant, and it's packed. So Liam, he's a little tiny thing about this big. He walks in with his, his walker, and people just stopped, and they just started to smile. And you could see such joy on their face because they knew the effort he was making to walk to his table. And it, it was almost like the Red Sea had been parted. And he just walked, and people smiled. And he kind of stopped and gave them a look like, uh, what? you never seen Christmas lights before? <laughs> and, um, and he's not done that journey. He's still got um, some therapy and some things that he's doing now. But he's going to have a new responsibility in 10 days, because in 10 days, he's going to be a big brother. Mm. And uh, right now, uh, we've got great news about his little brother. He's perfectly fine. Um, and he's as perfect as uh, his big brother, a perfect creation of God. Mm -hmm. And um, we are grateful, and I give thanks to you and all, you all for your prayers. Thank you. Amen. That's good, man. There's, um, there's something special about in all circumstances. We, we can give thanks because of the community God has given us. It's not a solo journey. All right, we got, we got this, and that's good. And I went to that party. It was a good party. That was fun. Yeah. Hey, thank you all so much for sharing. We really appreciate it. I know it takes a lot of courage, uh, and it, it's a moment of vulnerability to say, hey, here's what's going on in my life, but here's how good God is. And the one uh, common denominator in all of these folks, it, it's how First Thessalonians 5 rounds out. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The only reason.
that we can carry a posture of gratitude in the midst of such troubling circumstances is because of the goodness of God that we've experienced through Jesus. And so maybe in this season, you need to find yourself taking inventory on why you can be thankful, whatever might be happening in your life. Because it starts with Jesus and his love and his sacrifice for us. So we thought maybe the best way to end our time here is going to be through participating in the communion meal. So at all of our campuses, I'd invite you to grab the the communion at home, get, get whatever you can find. And we're going to invite the band out at each campus. And we're going we're gonna to hear this song. It'll be sung kind of over us as a blessing, as a way for us to offer a prayer to God in this moment. And when you're ready, as you hear these words, allow them to, to settle on your heart. Allow them to settle in your mind. And when you're ready, respond through participating in communion and giving thanks to God for the love of Jesus, for the sustaining work of what the cross and resurrection means in our lives. The fact that Jesus said, I'm going to die, I'm going to raise from the dead, I'm going to ascend to be with the Father, but I am not going to leave you. No, I will not leave you orphaned or alone. I will send an advocate. And Jesus is with us now. It's because of him that we, the Apostle Paul, all of us can say, no matter what is going on in our lives, praise be to God who rescues us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're going to let the band lead us here. And when you're ready, participate, receive the communion meal.